Welcome to Opening Stage VGH, the video game history podcast for everyone. I'm your host, Dean Beaver, and I'm once again joined by my lovely wife, Meredith Lyons. I forgot that we were doing this today, and I've already had two glasses of wine. That sets the stage for how this is going to go. Welcome. So we've got two new guests in the studio with us, and I use the term studio loosely because this is a Zoom call. We've They're pretty two- set up, though. Yeah, they've they've done this one. I think twice. we can say studios. Okay, all right. I'm. I'll, I'll let that slide. Uh, our first guest, is, in no particular order, is host of the Peace, Love, and Baseball podcast. You might know her as K Bird Tweets. Welcome to the studio, Kelsey Bird. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Uh, in addition to that, we have a very equally talented singer-songwriter. You might know him as head of the band. I'm going to say head of the band because I don't know any of the other band na- members. Uh, <laughs> come and fight me, band nerds. Um, <laughs> welcome, Wesley McKinney. The name of the band is Validity. I don't remember if I said that, but Wes- welcome. but okay. I'm not excited. I am thrilled. <laughs> Thrilled okay. to be on this podcast, Dean. Ooh. Already one up in me. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's, this is my that's how this is going to go. Whenever yes. I read a theater program and it's always, I'm thrilled, is so-and-so is thrilled to be in this production, is exhilarated. Who's I always used to try and pick like new adjectives. I can't with the adjectives in a in a biography. Just tell me what you've done before. Like I, Meredith <laughs> Lyons is effervescent about <laughs> See, what I started doing at one point was just ripping off of, like, superhero origin stories. Like, I had I had one. You would. Yeah. I, I had one where I was like, uh, Dean's parents were murdered in an alley behind a movie theater. And ever since then, he's been using his vast fortune to achieve physical perfection and fight crime was, in Gotham. Everyone that was seeing you in a show knew your parents anyway. So Yeah, I was going to say, I definitely feel like I read that bio. <laughs> I was probably in that show with you. And your your dad was probably like, I wasn't murdered in front of a movie theater. (laughs) Shout out Elden Beaver. (laughs) We'll never stop. So as you might have guessed, I, I, I met both Kelsey and Wes doing theater in Peoria, Illinois when we were growing up. Uh, yeah. No, go Um, ahead. Let's hear it. P town. Yeah. Let's hear it. Um, Peoria. This is going to go great. Um, Edited that out. is the Edit way Midwesterners. No, I'm keeping that in. No. I love uh, the way Midwesterners whoop it up. <laughs> like, yes, woo, woo. You know what they Corn say? Fields. is the New York of the Midwest. That's <laughs> what they say. That's what they say. If it doesn't play in Peoria. Oh, oh my God. okay. That I is, never that is true. Ever heard that phrase until because you... no one outside of Peoria has ever heard that phrase. Exactly. Like no, it's fair. in a Futurama episode. It's in a Futurama episode. Okay. <laughs> I wonder if we googled the people who wrote that Futurama episode. If any of them were from Peoria or went to Bradley. I hmm. sincerely doubt it. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, let's keep things going just to be respectful of everyone's time. Uh, So we've got two questions that we ask all new guests on the show. I'll kind of stagger it. Uh, Our first question for both of you guys, we'll do, we'll do Kelsey first because ladies first and then, and then there's Wes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) By the way. And Wes uh, was late anyway. I, I was just like Meredith. I also forgot about this today. I knew it It was on my calendar all month long. And except he was at the gym instead of drinking wine on FaceTime (laughs) with his mom. 
for what it's worth, whenever we have guests on the show, which is all the time, I, I you try to make <laughs> which is I, everyone. <laughs> I, I try to write like an email or a text message that's like, hey, uh, I know we've got this coming up. Are we still good? I know things change. It's totally cool if things change. I just want to make sure. And so usually I do it the, the day before, but this time for some reason I was like, I'm a few drinks deep on a Saturday. Uh, I'll do it now. It was so the weekend. I, yeah. So you can't I, trust me with information you tell me on the weekend. You'd I'm, think Wes would be reliable enough to remember. I'm sorry. More than 48 hours out, but no. <laughs> I'll know for next time I have you guys on the podcast. Oh, we, next time you do that. Invited back. Yeah, do that they, shit on a Monday. There you go. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's jump into our questions. Our first question is, uh, what is your life story in the span of a tweet? So we'll go with you, Kelsey, first. Okay. It, mine is a little bit longer than a tweet, but it is. I'm oh, proud of, for all of you serious. people, all of you people counting at home. Counting yeah, if cameras. you're if you're typing this into your Twitter, it's I'm because sorry. she's got a verified badge and she can do 860 <laughs> characters. To be clear, I definitely do not because I am <laughs> very against that. But for reasons we don't need to discuss, because on this Elon Musk episode. kicked her off. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, okay, here is the start. Jet. Here is the start of the almost kind of tweet. All right. I'm from the Midwest cornfields. I have lived in two of the three biggest cities in the U.S. for the past decade and for my entire adult life. Uh, in pursuing my first love of musical theater, I met my greatest love, my husband, Dan. I am still navigating how to perform professionally without sacrificing the other things that are most important to me. So I currently like make a food. <laughs> Like uh, financial stability. I mean, okay, this is where the tweet gets too long. So I'm not going to, you know, go too far down that rabbit hole. But I currently make a living in operations and improving systems in a more conventional job, which allows me to spend a lot of time at home with my fur children. So that's me. Awesome. That was beautiful. Thank you. You can Wes, stay. Wes, you're up. Oh, I have a tweet now. Okay, so I was also born in Peoria, Illinois, and I do believe that that shaped a lot of who I am today. I My biggest goal in life is to inspire and to make people feel like they are a creative being. And I do that through music. I do that through... God, take forever. <laughs> this has definitely been more than 140 characters. I don't feel so bad and about myself now. Period. Done. Send tweet hashtag... Spread love. <laughs> awesome. Uh, the next question I have for you guys, um, and it's completely cool if it's like I've played Mario once, it was fine. Uh, what is your personal history with video games? Uh, let's start with you, Kelsey. Okay, so the only like years of my life I've probably played video games was like ages like 10, 11, 12, maybe uh, with my little brother. He had a PlayStation mm -hmm. and the three video games I've played in my life are some like soccer game because both my siblings were really big soccer players. Uh, the one I probably played the most was a NASCAR game and we actually had like the wheel uh, at some point, but I think I liked doing it better. I was better with the controller. Uh, but the two things that like are ingrained in my memory forever about that NASCAR game are that it would play the song, I'm driving down the road and I'm flirting with disaster. So I like <laughs> think of that whenever I hear that song or I think of that song all the time when I think of video games, like that's mm -hmm. the song that comes into my head. And then the other thing about it is that it would, um, if you were driving the wrong way on the track, it would say, hey, buddy, you're going the wrong way. <laughs> and we would like purposely like drive the wrong way on the track just because we hey, thought it was buddy. funny. 
<laughs> that it would say that. And it was like so like nonchalant, like, hey, you might want to turn around. Um, and then the other game that I love that was probably my favorite to play was the Crash Bandicoot game. And I don't know which one. It was probably like the most basic yeah. one. But it, I loved yeah. me some Crash Bandicoot. So For what it's worth, Crash Bandicoot was easily Sony's Mario when it came out. Uh, but I do want to go back to the uh, the driving and soccer games that you you mentioned. Uh, mm -hmm. My guess is that those were probably made by Electronic Arts, better known as EA, which is a yes. terrible EA company. Sports. But oh. um, what, why yeah. did we? What what's wrong with them? They're just generally not great to their employees. Well, we don't uh, like that. Don't yeah. Like that. So, uh, but like I, half of the corporations in America. Yeah, I was gonna say it's a common theme these days. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to spoil anything, but we're 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 gonna get into some stuff about owners versus employees. All right, later. all right. Ooh, Ooh I am, I am here um, for that. But right hey, episode. Any, anyway, I don't mean to hawk my own podcast based off of your history of video games, Kelsey. But I invite you to listen to our episode about the Madden Curse. Mm, um, okay. Uh, obvious. There's a there's a line of Madden games that EA makes every year, and it still continues to this day. But there was a there was a curse for a long, long time about athletes that showed up on the cover. Apparently, there's like Ooh. starting to be like a Forbes curse. Oh yeah, I saw mm -hmm. that too. Well, and there's so similar to the, that kind of thing. The Sports Illustrated curse happens too. Like whenever athletes appear on the magazine, the cover of Sports Illustrated, they always yeah. like, they tank. injured or yeah, tank. So if you want to hear about the hottest curses, listen to opening stage. I kind of wonder, though, if that's because, like, they appear on this, like, mass thing. And so everyone's paying attention to them. So it's like, oh, right. like, yeah, like now we know they're injured as opposed to, like, the billion other athletes that get injured. Right. Who are, like, flying under the radar. Like, yeah. I'm injured right now. No, I've been injured for a year. No one has cared. I no care. One. I, I care greatly. Yeah. Thank you. Not to get too deep into it, but I mean, the fact of the matter is that you probably landed on the cover of something because you're at the peak of your career. And when you're at the peak of your career, you, there's it, only it's the one peak. way to go from there. Yep. That's a very good point. There, there was, There is a quote from somebody in that episode that we go over who is like, by that point they had they had recognized the Madden curse, like and they were talking about it, but they were and they were like, How do you feel about being a subject of the, the Madden curse? And the guy was like, Well, I mean I could be injured on the cover or just injured. <laughs> there you go. So uh let's move on to Wes. Uh what is your personal history with video games? So and, I uh, grew up with the original Nintendo. My dad had that from the eighties. And, you know, pull the cartridge out, blow on it whenever it froze up. We mm -hmm. had Mario, like the original Mario. Okay. And we had Duck Hunt game with the gun. Mm -hmm. And I remember loving that as a kid. Like, I was not old enough to comprehend anything that was going on with Mario or the Duck Hunt. But it was just so much fun. I thought I was the coolest thing I thought it was so cool to like take the cartridge out and blow on it and put it back in and it worked again. <laughs> that was so cool. And then I was in second grade about and we got a Sega Genesis Ooh. for Christmas and we got Sonic the Hedgehog and now a major motion film. Oh, I I, I will I don't think Starring I'm going to Schultz. I'm not going to see that. I don't think I should. <laughs> and Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Oh. Yeah, Jim Carrey plays uh Dr. Robotnik. Okay. 
We also got so. But speaking of movies, my favorite game that we got with the Sega was the Lion King game, oh, and shit. I love like I. Dean, I am not good at video games whatsoever, mm. and I I remember I got through like three, what what are they called in video games? Rounds, like levels, levels. Thank you. Even I knew that. Come on, <laughs> three it's levels. Here. <laughs> I was so nervous when you invited me onto a video game podcast, but then <laughs> I listened to the podcast and I was like, okay, we're good. I can I can I can BS my <laughs> way through this. But I only made it like I, I made it to I can't wait to be king, which is the third level. And oh. I could never get up that tower of animals. I don't think I, I ever beat okay. the tower of animals. I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but no. I'm going to tell you something that will make you feel good about a lot of things in your life. <laughs> Thank you. There was a clause in Disney's video game company. Because of course there was. You're right. going to blow my mind right now. <laughs> You're going to blow my mind. That said that the game needed to be just hard enough so that you could not complete it renting it from a video store. Oh my gosh. That's ridiculous. So we owned it. We the, owned it. it. And yeah, you that's that's what they wanted. So the reason oh. that specific level is so hard is because at the 11th hour they were like, "Oh shit, we got to do something to make this level hard." Monkey puzzle. <laughs> so that is that's that is outrageous and it makes me that's i think that's why i didn't play video games after that wow <laughs> honest i mean so after that we my brothers and i we had oh another little story that i wanted to share was mm. that year that we got the sega genesis okay we also got that game crossfire which has Ooh. the little bbs and they like oh the board out. game the yeah. little board game and so like the bb shot out and that was also the year that the clapper the clap on, <laughs> clap off, the clapper. <laughs> yeah. That was the year that was super popular. So we got that. And first, we thought that we needed to have that plugged into our TV. So I remember- The clapper? The, the clapper. Yeah. So we, you could clap that, the that? we could clap the TV on and off. Oh. Thought, <laughs> so I don't understand what in my seven-year-old mind was going on, but like- the I remember seeing that commercial and being like, we need to get the clapper, mom and oh, dad, but we yes. just wanted to clap the lights on and off. I didn't like, think about those, the TV. The 90s infomercials totally targeted. They were like, these children know that they're going to pester oh, them. We know that my parents had no parents. no compunction about going, no, we don't. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow we got that. Spoiler process. alert. We, we never got the clapper. <laughs> we plugged it into the TV and then someone was playing Sonic. My brother was playing Sonic and I was playing <gasps> Crossfire. And it like turned the TV off because the oh, sound no. thought it was a clap. Oh, oh no. no. My brother was not like he was five at the time. He was not happy. You know how five year olds can get when they're playing. Well, how are you going to get through Scrap Brain Zone? I don't know. We 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 moved Crossfire. And but after that, I we had a Game Boy. My brother. I have to write this into a book somehow. Oh, my. Oh, <laughs> like, it can be like the dr dramatic climax between like sibling <laughs> rivalry. My but we had a Game Boy. I liked Aladdin on the Game Boy. Okay. That was fun. I know there was like a knife fighting scene. So Wes is a Disney bitch. Okay, but here's the thing. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> as a child, I was. As a child, I was. I'm not a Disney adult. I love my Disney adult friends. I am not a Disney adult. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking That's of okay. Been this, is a, a this is a safe place. Yeah, we. it's, a, it's okay. It's this non-judgment zone. 
Wes, you I'm judging say, you, you, but you can say fuck these here. So that being like my, the case, my video game knowledge and you know, background. I think you both are going to like today's story that we've written. Well, thank we God, uh, <laughs> because it actually doesn't have a whole lot of video game. So that being said, we're going to jump right back into the topic for today. Uh, I've maybe shown my cards a little too early, but I'm on pins and needles. Good. But that being said, I've explained a little bit already to you guys. Uh, I know you both from the Midwest and you have trouble sometimes interrupting people, but please, please, please interrupt me. What? Because Kelsey's like so uncomfortable right now. I'm really nervous. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to be rude. I can see we're all on Zoom and she's just like sitting there like in her chair like, I can't, I can't interrupt people. It's not, it's not nice to do. But uh, I promise you, it's going to drive the show. It's going to make it that much better. So please just be like, I have something to say. Okay. That being I said, do have a lot of opinions. So, so yeah, I just did it. Okay. There. A plus. You're, you're great. Pretend you're in Chicago and someone called it the Willis Tower. Right. I don't care enough about Chicago to know <laughs> <much> about that. <laughs> All right. I know you guys are uh, big baseball fans. That's we true. Are. That's very true. That being said, let's get into it. I, I kind of figured that this is where this podcast I is hoped. going when you I wore my us. Cardinals yes. jacket. <laughs> I mean, she's literally in baseball I'm sitting. Think... I'm sitting in baseball stadium seats. Stadium. I, don't, so. I don't think that you need to be <laughs> nervous anymore at all. Okay, great. We can talk for days about this. The year was 1967. Oh, the Cardinals won the World Series that year. I didn't even know that. I'm the worst. Oh, yeah. Both are fucking nerds. Yeah. <laughs> The year was 1967. Major League Baseball had just added two teams to the American League. The I Kansas... don't care about the American League that much, though. You will for the next two and a half hours. Oh. All right. You said so. Here we go. <laughs> Probably not that long, but Major League Baseball had just added two teams to the American League, the Kansas City Royals and the Seattle Pilots. Oh, I never but... knew there were pilots. I never knew there was a Seattle Pilots. The pilots were named in honor of the nearby Boeing aircraft factory. Oh, I sent stuff to Boeing for work, actually. Mm. I sent some stuff to uh, Raytheon for my job recently. I sent Uh, stuff to them, too. I did not feel good about that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So there's that. I didn't know this was about baseball. Oh, we got a socks. We got a White Sox jersey on now. Now I'm ready. Uh, Wait, how much do you guys know about baseball? Can we ask that? Does it matter? Well, I know that. Dean's mother is a diehard Cardinals fan. My Dude, gosh. his mother's sister, Kathy, when she died, she got buried in a Cardinals coffin. That's amazing. Kelsey and I are both sitting here like, can we order one now? Right. I was going to say, I'm gonna you probably can. I think, sure she she got it, I think she got it from Walmart. Honestly, uh, well, like, I, I just, my only, my question about that is where do they keep the coffins? Like, in Walmart? Like, can you, like... I think that's a website only thing. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes it's sense. in the warehouse. As yeah, it should it. be. It's next to the bikes in the <laughs> back. Yeah, super Walmart, you guys. <laughs> Originally scheduled to begin play in 1971, Missouri Senator Stuart Symington wanted the Royals to begin play as quickly as possible. So he threatened to introduce legislation that would affect the owners of both teams. I mean, Stuart Simming- Simmington? Yep. That just sounds like a villain. 
I literally like was was bumping on that name and I'm glad I'm not the only one. Yeah. His name sets the stage. Can I use that in a book? I mean, he's a, he's a senator. I'm pretty sure his name is public domain by this point. <laughs> is it? Is it though? Like, can I use him as a villain? Never mind. We can talk about this later. Yep. The American League relented and revised the timeline to begin play in 1969, which gave giving each team only 18 months to get up and running. To make matters worse, MLB- that's about how long it takes a book to be published. That's like still from, seems fast. From, and from like blank page to yep. no, 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 no. From like say, we have purchased have your manuscript. Okay. okay, yeah, and that is still quite fast. Yes. Okay. To make matters worse, MLB demanded additional seating and a new domed stadium in Seattle by the end of 1970. The pilots that seems ha- fast for the 70s. I feel like everything happened. That seems slowly. fast for now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the pilots had a lot of pressure building up and not enough time or money to act. What are they going to do? They well, do they ever? Do the pilots ever actually exist? Maybe this is why. That's I don't know what about I was them. just thinking. <gasps> I think that yeah, oh, I've got such stories to tell. I'm so excited for this. Not to not to spoil anything, but they're still around. Doing while the pilots, I'm so glad that there's a reason for the podcast. While the pilots won their opening day game on April 11th, 1969, that's my against, sister's birthday against April the 11th. Chicago White Sox, seven to zero. Oh, oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> that's about where the good news ends. Oh. Um... The game was a disaster. Wait, I think that's bad news. Well, it's bad news for you because you're wearing a Sox jersey. I wasn't born yet, so I don't know how bad the news is. That's fair. It only gets worse from there. <laughs> but I am curious because there's pilot. What was their mascot? I don't know. I'm well. I. I it was someone I, in a captain's hat with wing. The wing. Did bag. they have little like planes, like I airplane? Don't, maybe. Not to get into, I'm not going to pretend to be any kind of deep baseball historian, but I'm going to Google it. Based Go on ahead. What I, based on what I know, it was a little while before the rise of mascots. Um, okay. Uh, while the Pilots won their opening day game against the Chicago White Sox seven to zero, that's about where the good news ends. Mm. The game was a disaster from the fans' perspective. Bathrooms were only big enough to accommodate code. The players were told to shower at home after the game because the water pressure was so low. Could you imagine nowadays that happening? I was going to say, you were with me, right? When we were at Wrigley. Kelsey and I were at Wrigley Field for opening day in 2015. And there were bottles of pee like lining the ramps. They had (sighs) just renovated Wrigley and the bathrooms were not done yet. And yeah, and when pictures. was that? 2019? 2015. 2015. 2015. Oh, what the fuck is wrong I'm with old. people? Infrastructure. Well, right. and, but like, and there were pictures on Twitter surfacing of like a cup of what looked, what could have been beer. And uh-huh. we're like, everybody knows that no one is, no one at Wrigley is going to leave a full cup of beer in a corner that was <laughs> urine. Yeah. Guess what? That that's urine. not. <laughs> Wait, it were these not- the Peninsula pilots? What yeah. pilots are? there are a lot of pilots actually but we i literally missed i think two innings and i don't like to miss like i go to games and i watch them i i don't i'm not there for like off-field entertainment i'm there for the game and i i missed like two and a half innings to go to the bathroom and i was not happy but we won that game it was fine at least you weren't on your period yeah that's (laughs) what do you have to complain about i have been to a stadium when I couldn't get in the bathroom, but you know what? It wasn't fun. 
I you you definitely beat me there <laughs> in always. So, moving on. Um <laughs> Bathrooms were only big enough to accommodate code. The players were told to shower at home after the game because the water pressure was so low. This reminds me of when I was taking martial arts and they were like, y'all just shouldn't shower here. And we were like, but we pay so much money to go here and we get touching other people's skin. That's like so sweaty. And I could go on about the showers, but I won't go ahead. And some fans didn't get to sit down because seats were still being installed the during fuck? the game. Could you imagine? You're like, wait, where's A4? A4, A4? doesn't exist, ma'am. Sorry. <laughs> and they're been like, built hey, yet. buddy, we'll, we'll get there in Give two seconds. By, by the second inning, we <laughs> <Yeah>. gotcha. <laughs> still in the factory down the road. Things only got worse from there. The team built their roster mostly of older, experienced players which resulted in having to pay them higher salaries. One of their few younger players, Lou Pinella, mm. was traded mm. to the Royals and went on to become Rookie of the Year. Mr. The pil- there. The Pilots' owners secretly negotiated a deal and sold the team to millionaire Bud Selig. Mm, good old Bud oh, Selig. We We're getting into the Bud Selig era. Who relocated them to Milwaukee. Brewers. Oh! Becoming the Milwaukee Brewers. I Wait a minute. I thought that the Atlanta Braves became the Milwaukee Brewers. If they were, that that contradicts all of the Wikipedia (laughs) homing I've been doing for the past. I never thought that, so I'm sure it's not true. But Milwaukee and Atlanta have some kind of... Connection and I'll okay. I'll come up with that. You guys keep talking. You talk amongst yourselves. I'm a little bit clamped. Talk amongst (laughs) yourselves. Seattle was livid, having only had professional baseball for only a year. Washington State Attorney General Slade Gordon sued Major League Baseball for breach of contract. Yikes! The lawsuit went on until 1976, when Major League Baseball agreed to give the city a new team in exchange for dropping the lawsuit. I do mm. just want to say that their mascot leaves something to be desired. <sighs> That's a bummer because, like, uh, Dean, if you would, if yeah, Dean, describe if you, it for the audience. Okay, so there is a baseball. Okay. And it's got the stitching, and in the middle Please. it says pilots. Please say and it has little wings. Around it, wings. around it, for no reason, is an old timey ship's steering wheel that is red. And then on the outside of the old-timey ship steering wheel are two yellow wings that look like bird wings. Okay. Yep. And it is TM. There is a cute little um, button that apparently existed at one point. I'm into that. And, yep, a little pendant. (laughs) That's a choice. The uniform looks terrible. There is a a vintage patch that you could iron onto your tee. That has a little baseball that says pilots in the middle with like an X up the top for no reason. And a little 60s dude going. We need to like he's about to hit that 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 literally five foot wide baseball. We need to take a vacation to Seattle and like iron that patch onto our shirt. That steering wheel is really confusing to me though. Maybe they that was like Dean, let me share. But really I can't do that without stopping the recording oh damn you used to be able you used to call like ship captain you know what i will put this i'll put this in i will put this into the chat for everyone there you go and then you can all be much with your joy (laughs) 
So the the lawsuit went in, on until 1976 when Major League Baseball agreed to give the city a new team in exchange for. You can get this on lawsuit. eBay for one hundred dollars. One hundred dollars wow. for only Seattle Pilots decal only only. That's a button, man. It might be functional. That would that's better than I I thought it would be. Everybody, it's, Google Seattle Pilots logo. It's just not what I thought it yeah, would but be. But keep the podcast running in the so, background. Uh, <laughs> that being said, the lawsuit went on until 1976 when Major League Baseball agreed to give the city a new team in exchange for dropping the lawsuit. The Seattle Mariners. There we are. The wow. Mariners. Oh, and there's where the ship, the ship steering wheel came in. Okay, well, but you used to be able to call a pilot. Like a ship captain was yeah. a pilot. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, so me neither. I, well, only because of opera. I'm pretty sure I'm it was. Um... So proud of you, Wes. <laughs> so proud of you. Um, Your opera trivia. Opera. We're not on opera trivia. What's the opera? He has a with... music degree. We get it. Okay. <laughs> What's the opera? I do too. The <laughs> captain. <laughs> Major General. What's that opera? Gosh. Uh, modern Major General. That's yeah. Gilbert and Sullivan. Um, it's Gilbert and Sullivan. Pirates of Penzance. Pirates, Pirates of Penzance. Penzance. Yes. Yeah. There's Which a whole song. Oh. Greatest musical ever written. I was sitting here thinking like Hamilton. <laughs> what, what were you saying, Meredith? No, it's like it was. I was sitting here thinking about Hamilton. Didn't he call himself? Oh, and then I'm like, oh, was that a, a callback? Oh, <laughs> I'm dumb. No, there's an entire Pirates of Penzance song about being a pilot. And I was no in the Pirates of Penzance as a teenager. Say that. Yeah. Yeah, I've yeah, yeah. been in the Pirates of Penzance multiple times. But I was only you. I was I, one of the multiples of cousins. Dean, I saw you in it. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure. I definitely, definitely saw that. Dean was also in Dean it on like an actual. He was an actual on an actual boat doing it. I did do that too. Yeah, that's on the awesome. tall ship Lindy out of Navy out of Navy Pier. That was a lot of fun. I'm sad uh, I didn't see that. I'm yeah. I it, was actually in a house theater show at the same time, and it was like right around when we met. So we both thought we were more hot shit than we actually were. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get back into the episode. Um, <laughs> the Mariners played their first game on April sixteenth, nineteen seventy-seven, losing to the California Angels seven to zero. Things and that was the get... last time. Wait, they lost one again. To the... I was going to say, they, they made this whole movie about the California Angels. Anyway, sorry. Angels in the outfield. Yep. Christopher Lloyd. Things didn't get much better throughout the rest of the 70s and most of the 80s when the Mariners failed to have a winning season. Mm, hate to see it. It wasn't until 1989 when rising star Ken Griffey Jr. joined the team that their fortunes began to change. The year I was born and the year that Ken Griffey Jr. came to the Mariners. A great year all around. Um, I, wasn't <laughs> I think we can all agree. They had their first winning season in 1991, helmed by both Griffey and pitcher Randy Johnson. Randy mm, Johnson. Randy Johnson. He has ice in his veins. <laughs> That's a name that won't happen nowadays. Yeah, no. <laughs> by, by the way, Actually, we're... fun fact, we're talking about Randy Johnson. So my my dad's name is Randy Bird. Mm -hmm. And he, uh, in the last like decade or so, he had traveled overseas a couple of times for work. And I oh, guess no. in... Oh, no. Oh, I yeah. know exactly where this is going. <laughs> so in like, and actually uh... Wes is going to be in... England in the UK with my dad this summer and me. So we'll see if we can stir up some drama with it again. But I guess like in in like slang in the UK, yeah. 
Randy he's Bird a horny, would be he's like a horny, horny woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my, Randy Bird, not any better than Randy Johnson these days. One of my one of my favorite podcasts, which is actually one of the what I've kind of modeled this podcast after, is the Dollop, and they're an American history podcast as opposed to a video game history podcast. They branch out into whatever other countries they're visiting at a given time. And they were doing an Australian tour, and they have an episode about Macquarie Island, which basically what happened is it was very peaceful. Humans colonized it, and they started, like, mining the the island's penguins for oil. And then, like, when they couldn't get enough penguin oil, they switched to, like, whale oil. And I'm sorry, this is horrifying. Oh, oh yeah. Penguin <laughs> oil? Well, anyway, all that, all that, all that, I know that the episode was written that way. Um, But (laughs) I I say that all to say that like one of the, one of the guests is really like pro animal rights or one of the, one of the co-hosts is really pro animal rights at one point. And And they they, they just stopped. They just stopped being. I was going to say like at one point, point, (laughs) they just, after this episode, they gave up. (laughs) <laughs> well, the, one of the one of the one of the hosts at one point he wanted to express that he was was hoping that things would get better for the animals. And at a live show in Australia, he said, "I'm rooting animals." Oh, um, oh no! And what does rooting mean in Australia? Uh, yeah, what we think it means. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It means having sex. Anyway. <laughs> oh my god! So can even can we talk about though? Like I nope. expect. I expect to see penguin oil on the shelves at Whole Foods like next week. Like it's the next great facial skincare product. Like I don't, I want don't know. To see it. Only if it's safe for the penguin. Yeah. Only if it's safe for the penguin. Only if you can. Like, I feel like Whole Foods like put it back in the wild. Does am I wrong? I don't shop at Whole Foods often. I don't. I don't either. I was gonna say, don't aren't they trying to? Aren't they one of those companies that at least? masks themselves in sustainability like so well, putting penguin oil on the by, shelves would they're owned by amazon so there's that <laughs> okay i let's get back this to episode, episode is brought to you by amazon <laughs> anyway despite their growing popularity the team was again fi- facing intense financial strain mariner's owner jeff smullion had taken out a number of loans to keep the team afloat. That's another name right there. Let me just yeah, say Jeff look, Jeff Smolian. Baseball SM. names. Like, win. but who baseball who else is win. who else's dad called money Schmolians? Schmolians. <laughs> I mean, I wonder was it if just that's mine? where it started. No, I don't, I don't think so. I think that that has like a twenties tinge to it. Like, hey, like give it Schmolians. <laughs> would, would, did really did no one else was is that okay. i don't i don't think so mariner's owner jeff smallian had taken out a number of loans to keep the team afloat and the team had still lost five million dollars in 1991 despite their performance mm. the bank didn't feel the mariners were a viable business i mean oh. i understand i understand so the bank sad. at this point and called for their 39.5 million dollar loan to be repaid or refinanced Ooh, Smolian pulled the team. Wait, up for wait, sale. wait! What, what? What year was this? This is nineteen ninety-one. Pretty much that's all a, of this takes place in nineteen ninety-one. That's, that's a lot that's of a, that's money. a lot of nineteen ninety-one money. We'll, yeah. we'll how many? In, how many monies was it? We'll get into it because I've mentioned this in past episodes, but uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics has an inflation calculator Love that it. I've used heavily in this episode. Oh, so you're gonna do it? I don't so, have to okay, do it right now. Okay, all right. Yes. 
So where was I? He was uh, about to he auction off the team to pay Smolian off the put up the team up for sale after owning it for only two years. The asking price? $100 million. Jesus Christ. Ooh. Rumors started to spread about the team moving to Tampa Bay. Because Tampa Bay's got all that retirement money. <laughs> However, a clause in the contract with the stadium mm. stipulated that local owners had roughly two and a half weeks to find local investors and keep the team in Seattle. And they were like, we're not losing another baseball team, goddammit. We had a baseball team for three years. We're going to keep them. If you have a baseball team, like you want, you want it, you need it. You have to have it. Like it's part of your city. You have to, you have to keep it. It's also like a big ego thing for the owner. Like, Like, nowadays they would have just put something up on GoFundMe. Mm -hmm. I would love to see a go like an MLB team, like, who are like, like, I don't know. Kelsey, you follow the comes business. Back. <laughs> you follow the business side more than I do. Like who's what team would be like, we need to go fund me to keep this stadium afloat. <laughs> I mean, the Oakland A's are like the there Oak- right now, like yeah. trying to move to what about the pirates? Oh, so the, the pirates pirating. were good in like 2012, 2013, 2014. Their they, day will come again. They will come again. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's like, cute. So point? we have a um my publishing company, we have a um my our publisher is really into baseball, like really into baseball. And so she makes us do this like team baseball thing every year where we can only each of us can only pick one team to root for and we get assigned points. And at the end there's like a $500 Amazon card for the winner, all, oh. all this stuff. So like it's a big thing, and I always pick the socks. And there's one dude who always picks the pirates, and he has loved the pirates since he was like five. And he's just like, I'm just gonna be the pirates. I just don't care. And like he's always at the bottom of the pool. And I'm like, can we just give yeah. him a cracker jack box or something <laughs> for loyalty? So I'm I'm happy to hear that someday Gabe's team will their time will come again. Pittsburgh has like such a beautiful stadium. I haven't been there. It's yet, incredible. But... Yeah. And he lives in he yes. lives in California. So I'm just like, I don't but know like where this Pirates thing Pirates have from. such a rich history too. Like with Roberto Clemente. Like they've got a good history. They just, you know, these past these couple years have been rebuilding years for them for sure. What? I I listened to uh a, a, by a couple a years you mean like decade, but it's fine. Well, yeah, it has been <laughs> God, it has been ten years now, hasn't it? Hey, you know what? But in baseball, how long is that really? Right. Right. It's that's how it goes. Slade Gordon, now a Republican senator. Oh, for what state? Another uh, villainous Washington. name. Washington. Uh, Washington. Uh, you're not wrong. <laughs> Slade Gordon is definitely a villain name. But villain or rich white man is like what we're playing right now. I mean, or both. <laughs> why not both? I I think they're mutually excuse. They're like not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna say this not separate. In the Venn diagram, they are one circle. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna say this not to spoil too much anything of, of anything, but Slade Gordon is kind of the hero of that. Oh. <gasps> What? Oh, I'm okay. so excited! Okay. I love a good, I love a good twist. So, I I did look into it. There there were a number of people in this story that I was like, I gotta look a little deeper into this person. And I mean, Slade Gordon could be one of those Clint Eastwood, yeah, like anti heroes. A little bit, yeah. And from what I could find, for a Republican, Gordon was more willing to be like fairly like middle of the road and like compromise with Democrats about what was going on. Although he does have like a solid history of legislating against 
Native Americans and First Nation people. Oh, we hate shitty. you, Slade Gordon. Never Ooh, mind. We're, you're not I, the anti-hero. He's not great, but here we go. Slade Gordon, now a Republican senator, began calling local businesses in an attempt to keep his favorite baseball team in Seattle. His first prospect was Bill Gates of Microsoft. <laughs> yeah, that would be a place to go. Who passed on the offer. Mm-hmm. He next turned his attention to another company he had previously helped with counterfeit issues during his time on the Senate <laughs> Commerce Committee. Calling in all those favors. Nintendo of America. Oh, oh shit. This Here is how, okay, so we're getting into the video game. Here we go. I told I'm you. I'm into guys. it. I'm into it. Nintendo was an easy choice in prospects. In 1991, they had roughly 3.5 billion in sales and 80% of the home video game market share. I mean, I had a Nintendo. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> going back to what you said, I wanted to pull up like various facts. I was going through the whole timeline of things, and I was like, 1991, that's a little late. Uh, that was a little late for them to have that big of a market share. And I did it, and like Sonic the Hedgehog is... When that came out, that was when Sega had like started being a serious contender mm. against Nintendo. And that came out in June of 91. So like this is just before all of that wow. takes off. Okay. So they had 80% of the home video game market share. And I say home video game because arcades were still a thing at this point. Right, mm. right, right. Nintendo of Japan president Hiroshi Yamauchi was worth an estimated $1.5 billion, making him one of the wealthiest men in the world at the time. And perhaps most importantly, Nintendo had ties to Seattle, with their North American headquarters in nearby Redmond, Washington, employing roughly 1,400 local residents. Okay, okay. Senator Gordon met with Nintendo of America's president, Minoru Awakawa, and Vice President Howard Lincoln to strike a deal for purchasing the Mariners. They certainly had their reservations. Neither Arakawa nor Lincoln were particularly big baseball fans, and Lincoln was skeptical about how a Japanese company purchasing an American baseball team might look as far as publicity goes. The two were unsure, but well, decided... now Japan owns America in baseball, so... We... Pretty much. I... I... I am not going to admit to altering the script between Tuesday and today. <laughs> uh, for the record, this episode is being recorded on March 23rd of 2023. No, um, no, no. The World Baseball Classic already happened. Japan won. Well, Just days after. Oh, we're, oh, oh, I'm ruining something. I'm ruining something. I'm ruining a punchline. I regret having you on this podcast. <laughs> You're fired. I'll leave. The two were unsure, but they decided to pitch the idea of, to Nintendo of Japan's president, Hiroshi Yamauchi. A few things about Hiroshi Yamauchi. He served as Nintendo's president from 1949 to 2002. Whoa. Like, how old was he in 19... What? Tell me more. Tell me more about this guy. He was seen as a stern... Was she a vampire? You're not incorrect. <laughs> was he 18 when he like took over like i want to say he was we'll we'll get into his age when he was he away. from one of those blue zones Ooh, good question um i don't know what that means it's it's like oh. a area where people are like um and there there are several there's a blue there's a big old blue zone in japan yeah there's specific okay. designated areas where people 
Yeah, there's Tend a lot of data to back up. They live like into their hundreds. Hundreds. Like yeah. regularly. Okay. Yeah. I know that uh, Nintendo of Japan's headquarters are in Kyoto. I don't know if that's a blue zone, but let's I don't, go ahead I and don't... say it is it. It is. Could be. So uh, he served as Nintendo's president from 1949 to 2002 and was seen as a stern, terse, and ruthless businessman. Picture the stereotypical all-business, no-fun Japanese businessman, and you've got Yamauchi. That, and that's what I think of when I think of Nintendo, is no all-business, yeah. no-fun. He led Nintendo in a, quote, notoriously imperialistic style, end quote. <laughs> Goodness. He was first offered the position of president after his grandfather, then President Sekirio Kaneda, suffered a stroke. Yamauchi agreed to lead the company only if he was the sole member of his family employed there. So we're, we're this is like succession type stuff now. Yeah. yeah. Getting into like for some. The, yeah. For the record, his great grandfather, I think, started Nintendo in like 19 or er, no, 1889. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Nintendo's actually a much older company than people give it credit for. What were they doing in 1889? They started out creating playing cards, and they pretty much did that up until the 1960s when plastics became cheaper. So then they moved into like making toys. Wes, going back to, to Duck Hunt for you, they actually yeah. made a Duck Hunt game before they started making video games whoa cool okay and it was like this like light thing that you would shine on your wall but that sounds that sounds more fun than the video game honestly (laughs) but anyway they made toys starting in the 1960s and it wasn't until the late 70s that they started looking at like making video games and then they hired a guy named shigeru miyamoto who made donkey kong in 1981 and then that kind of just spiraled from there Interesting. I love it. But anyway, we're getting away from baseball. <laughs> um, he agreed to lead the company only if he was the sole member of his family employed there, forcing his older cousin to be fired in the process. Just fired. He was the sole judge of potential new products for Nintendo, despite never having played any of the video games that Nintendo <laughs> ever produced. Love it. His only real hobby was playing Go, a Japanese board game that's very similar to chess. I mean, isn't this kind of what they do with the Board of Education? Yes, it is what they do in a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, we really have to be prepared for shooting bears. Like, I mean, aren't the people in charge of all of the education money people who have never taught or (laughs) been in a classroom or a school? Yeah, or like attended public school. Yeah, probably. true. As someone most who long. is an educator, most of the time. So this totally makes sense to me. I don't know why you're making a big deal out of it, Dean. At the time of his death, he held the go rank of seventh don, which is roughly equivalent to a chess master. Long story short, there was no way Yamauchi would sign off on the frivolity of buying a baseball team. I honestly, I don't blame him. He's also t- not from a blue zone, by the way. Okinawa is the blue zone. Oh, mm. silly me. Yamauchi offered to buy the Mariners outright for the requested price of $1 million cash. Why? Why? What? This is a churn. But Quote. It, go ahead, Wes. No, no, no. But like, Kelsey, like, you know more about the business aspect. Like, it's not a good investment, right? Like, no. 
Baseball teams, most baseball teams lose money every year. The, the team increases in value like everything does, but most baseball teams lose money every year. And fans don't like to believe that. And they like to just yell at their the owners to spend money and sign Trey Turner. But <laughs> <laughs> they, and yes, very wealthy people own baseball teams and there are, you know, Big revenue is, but, and revenue is also like not public information. So a lot of it is speculation, but from my trusted sources and the information that I look into, like most baseball teams do lose money every year. And it takes, it would take so long for them to recoup their, have any kind of return on investment from it. So, yeah. Well, I invite you to listen to this quote from uh, Hiroshi Yamauchi. Oh, I can't wait. Tell me how it is. Quote. This offer is not being undertaken as a business, but rather as a form of community service. That's what we all want. Okay. Japan has the United States to thank for its miraculous post-war recovery and economic growth. And Nintendo has been allowed to do business in America. I owe a great debt to the United States, and I want to do everything in my power to pay it back. This is like an example of like, a businessman doing something for good, which we don't hear about very often. Is he really doing something for good? I feel like yeah. this is like a front. I is feel there like this an is ulterior a... motive? Yeah. Yes, that's well, what I feel. You'll you'll find out. There's a lot of things going on from here on out. But I think at at his basis level, I think Hiroshi Yamauchi is very much a very savvy businessman. He he knows exactly what he's doing, and I think he has enough money where he realizes that $100 million, even if it's not the best business move, it's going to be a really good publicity move. He's investing mm-hmm. in himself. Yes and no. Or his image. It, it could be argued, but... HBO, if you're listening, I, I am proposing a new series that is based off of this, and... We all the business poor, of sports. Absolutely, need a part in this in this series. So, hey, I mean, you could have. We've all been on stage before. Diverse yeah. cast. Yep. We all have different um, hair colors. There we well, go. We have other friends that are not characters. just white people. I mean, I have Asian friends. You know, we got yeah. By the way, I'm going to give up my own ass for a second. Okay, that was an interesting <laughs> turn of phrase. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, let's see where this is going. Apple TV is. Producing a movie about the creation of Tetris, and oh, they released it, which is its own. By the way, that's the only video game that I like know about. And Dean showed me because he was trying to bond with me and get me interested in his shit. He showed me this like documentary on Tetris, and I was like enraged. It's it's like I was like, what the fuck? It is seriously a crazy Cold War story. No. But um, anyway, they they released recently, fairly recently, they released a trailer for the for the movie. And I was like, were there that many car chases in the documentary? <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> this. But um, there's a there's a part of, there's a shot in the in the in the trailer that's obviously supposed to be Hiroshi Yamauchi, and he's like playing the game. And he puts it down and he looks at, at the, the guy across the, the office and he's like, not bad. <laughs> Meanwhile, inside Dean is like, he never played any of those games. That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> so anyway, again, not to get too clo- too far away from it. But Senator Gordon was elated 
but this did not solve the publicity issue. A 100% Japanese ownership of an American baseball team had no chance of approval from Major League Baseball. I was going to say, not a good look, especially, I mean, really at any time, unfortunately, even yeah. these days, probably not great, but especially not then. We'll get around to that. To get around he this. Did a, he did a salesman voice just then. <laughs> it comes out every now and then. To get around this, Gordon created a committee called the Baseball Club of Seattle, which consisted of Yamauchi, Minoru Aurakawa, and other local investors. Together, oh, so he got like other local investors to put in like a hundred bucks. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, yeah, he could be like, "Hey, hey, there's some Americans." Yeah, it's not just this guy. Uh, God. Together, the baseball club offered the requested one hundred million dollars to purchase the team, as well as an additional twenty-five million to invest into it. Yamauchi would be the majority shareholder with seventy-five million dollars invested. I mean, sixty percent ownership. Okay. Okay. I'm still one. Uh, that's still. I'm surprised. That's low. I thought. That's. I thought. Go ahead. That's all anybody really cares about, though. By the way, like in the ownership world, all the person that person is the the face. They're the one that that gets to go to owners' meetings. They're the one that ultimately makes all the decisions, and like the rest of it is just hoo ha to make other people happy, essentially. So we can be like, yes, yeah, some women own baseball teams too. God, I hate politics. You know. Yeah. Strap yourself in. We're about to get a little murkier. <laughs> oh, hell yes. Hell yes. I've only had one glass out of this bottle, so. Uh, well, Meredith, me you need to get you. the box of wine. Dude, that's let me tell you about like it. Let me tell you a little, about a little year called 2020. Oh, it took me. <laughs> I was counting the boxes it took me to get through that pandemic. It was a lot. Oh, I do not want to know. Continue, Dean. Jeff Smolian quickly approved the deal. After all, he got exactly what he wanted. But, as one spokesperson put it, Jeff can say yes, and Major League Baseball can say no. Mm. On the day the deal was announced, Major League Baseball Commissioner Faye Vincent commented on it, stating, quote, Baseball has addressed the issue of ownership of its franchises and developed a strong policy against approving investors from outside the United States and Canada. It is unlikely foreign investors would receive the requisite baseball approval. End quote. Hmm. Hmm. Wait, wait, wait. Why is Canada okay? Well, they had the Blue Jays, well, or yeah, they had the, they had the Expos. Blue Jays and the Montreal Expos at the time. So we're gonna we're gonna get real liberal about this. I just wonder, <laughs> like, wait, do they not have baseball? They have baseball in other countries, though. Yes, they yeah. do. Mm-hmm. So why? I'm I, what what is the basis what is the what do they have written down right, right. it's kind I'm of gonna... shocking that that's all they can say about it like uh, right okay so your question is about the what they have written down yeah the racism that they have okay we'll down. get back to that okay. um <laughs> um it is unlikely foreign investors would receive the requisite baseball approval end quote why so what is the requisite baseball approval right Faye Vincent immediately then took a 10-day Jamaican vacation. Oh my fucking God, of course she did. (laughs) It's important to explore the, quote, strong policy, end quote, that Vincent alluded to during his statement. Frankly, there wasn't one, (laughs) at least not formally. The policy was part of an unwritten set of rules and values currently held by those in power at Major League Baseball. 
The same set of rules that enforced racial segregation of African Americans until Jackie Robinson shattered prejudicial norms. I thought that we were feeling, I thought I was feeling something familiar. I thought, go ahead, go on. So basically, it's it's a bunch of rich old white men being like, this is the greatest game in history. This is how it's played. This is how it's always been played. And this is how it's it basically will saying like ours. this used to be white. This was always white. And now yeah. if we introduce other people in it, they might achieve the same echelon as we have. And we yeah. would like to cling to all of our echelons because our modal coil is eventually going to fail and not even our money can help us from dying. Pretty much, yeah. That's. I think that's their exact word-for-word thoughts. Yeah, she yeah. said it. During a meeting in late 1991, the ownership committee did briefly discuss the issue of foreign ownership, but tabled the discussion for later before, before formalizing anything, thinking it wouldn't be a problem for the foreseeable future. Meaning swept it under the rug. Right. Took another table requires that it's still out there. It's also important to note that anti-Japanese sentiment was growing in the United States at this point and had arguably reached its highest point since World War II. Oh, yikes. What 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 was do you know what the historical? Oh, here we go. Oh, your face is telling me that it's coming. Oh, he's he's so happy when he's done his research. With the United States in a recession, cheaper, more fuel-efficient Japanese cars... Oh, God, I remember these days. goddamn Toyota. Yes, because my sister had, like, she had this friend who, like, she had this friend group, and there were three of them, and their names were Bailey and Jennifer, I'm pretty sure. And one of them, like... God, as fuck. Yeah, one of them, like, (laughs) my... One of them, like, had, like, a dad who had been in Vietnam, and, like, he wasn't around much like he was she they, they well, he, said was he was too always, busy looking for charlie they said he was always sleeping and i'm just like now i'm like was he probably dealing with some shit but anyway mm-hmm. so he was dropping them off once and he was like whose japanese car is that and bailey was like Mom's- <laughs> jumped out of the car Whoa. but i do but that that is solidified in my mind as like there was definitely some like anti-Japanese, like if you drove a Japanese car, it was a thing. And I was too young to like really understand, but I remember it being a thing as driving Japanese cars. This is, I, this is all brought back something new to me, Dean. I didn't realize I had this repressed memory. (laughs) That's more or less what I exist to do at this point. Glossing over that. Uh, With the United States in a recession, cheaper, more fuel-efficient Japanese cars, among other products, were entering the market, harming the American motor industry. Americans accused Japanese of unfair, or Japan of unfair trade practices, and a prominent Japanese politician accused American workers of being lazy, resulting in inferior work and products. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) was he wrong (laughs) i don't know i was like four at the time a poll conducted by cbs stated that 57 percent of those polled were quote bothered end quote by the idea of japanese investor owning an american baseball team let's the thing is though bothered Bothered. What a word. That's what's what yeah, bothered. Right. I am That's a bothered that word. my hair is not laying well. You know, I'm bothered when my shirt 
is I, like I clinging really a certain you way. Wondering like, where you were going to go with that. Like bothered seems so mild. That's the word that that I found. I feel like they intentionally chose a mild word to get as many people on board to as get possible. A lot of people with with, the, with these polls, even nowadays, it's like, okay, come on. I never respond to polls. Like I, they're not asking me. Yeah. They're I'm not in this sample size, so I do respond to them, but only when they're like, when I find that they really mean something to I me. Mean, none of them have ever ever asked me if I'm bothered bothered by something. <laughs> it's usually like, how do you feel on a scale of one to ten? Yeah. And bothered could be a two. Like, let's be yeah, real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bothered is a two. Bay Vincent was spared no shortage of backlash during his Jamaican vacation. <laughs> oh, good. The Jamaican were the Jamaicans. That's like Ted Cruz rushing. I was. Up. I was literally this whole right? time thinking like this has Ted Cruz <laughs> Cruz vibes. Like. <laughs> yeah. He was. He was accused of xenophobia. You with, guys hunker down. With one editorial columnist for the Seattle Times stating. Quote, did I miss something or is it 1942 and not 1992? Yikes. Other critics pointed out that if Canadian businesses could invest, why not the rest of the world? Yeah. These are the things. This is these are the questions I'm asking. Exactly what I was asking. Exactly. That's why I told you to hang on just a second. Okay, we're not alone. Vincent shifted the blame. Only the white his... people on our same continent are allowed to invest. Sorry, I did mention I've been drinking. Yeah, <laughs> we're not blaming you. Vincent shifted the blame upon his return, stating that ultimately approval required consent from the 10 member ownership committee, then 11 out of 14 American League owners, and 7 of 12 National League owners. Okay. I'm already confused. So, All right, I just like remembered well, that Bud Selig is in on this, and now I'm like, oh yeah, man, oh man, a tangled web we are weaving. Indeed, I tried to do a little bit of research on Bud Selig because, again, I'm not going to pretend to be a super baseball historian, but from what I could gather, he was kind. That's of why you invited Kelsey. Yeah, that's why that's I invited why both, both Kelsey and Wes. So well, I'm I'm like a Cardinals aficionado. Kelsey does a lot more with like the entire game of baseball and the business. I'm also like specifically very like yeah fascinated by the business side of it. Okay, that makes me feel a little bit. But better. Bud Selig, I mean, when when he was the commissioner, he was very well liked. Okay, he's a very well liked commissioner. That's 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 different from what I found from researching Faye Vincent. <laughs> yes, correct. Uh, Faye Vincent, from what I could find. He was commissioner for a little less than three years, like six days less than three years. And from what I can gather, he did not get along well with the ownership committee for various reasons. He resigned in 1992 because there was an 18 to 9 no confidence vote from the owners. Mm. Oh, yikes. So there's that. That's a majority. It's Listen, it's not an easy job. It's not a job I'd want. Yeah. On a, in a lot of ways, like you're standing up and saying, like, I'm going to take the heat for everything and I'm going to well, yeah, save face for people. You're like trying it's to, You're trying to rough. wrangle millionaires, billionaires yeah. at this point into like all agreeing on the same thing. And there's yeah. there's and no way. No matter whether it's millions or billions involved, you're you're the face of an organization at the end of the day. And right. That's, that's hard to be no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. 
But anyway, the 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 ten member committee ownership committee, and then eleven out of fourteen American League owners, and seven out of twelve National League. I did the math. It's a little bit more than a two thirds majority vote. Okay, so that's what we're dealing with. Senator Gordon stepped in once again. He brought up that Major League Baseball was granted a special status in a 1922 Supreme Court ruling that exempted them from most antitrust laws, essentially granting them a monopoly on professional baseball. Gordon stated he'd have no problem submitting this ruling for congressional review if the deal didn't go through. And wouldn't you know it, they somehow reached a compromise. (laughs) Whoa. For the record, it was the exact same threat that Senator Symington, uh, that we talked about at the beginning of the episode, mm, was yes. the exact same threat that was made. All the villains have the same threats. Yamauchi's ownership share would be reduced from 60% to 49%. Are you oh fucking kidding God. me? Yup, <laughs> this is the same shit that they are still doing, though. Oh, man. Jeez. And his ownership would be passive. Mm-hmm. There we oh go. my fucking we want your money but you oh my god i'm so this, enraged this has no. to be i want this story to be in hbo yeah john ellis owner of puget sound power and light company and one of the founding members of the baseball club of seattle became chairman and ceo despite having only one percent ownership stake are you oh fucking kidding me? So he had like a hundred bucks and he was like, I'm just going to throw this down and I'm the CEO. But his name's John. <laughs> John, yep. John can We do like it. him. <laughs> oh, gosh. The baseball club of Seattle and therefore Nintendo now owned the Seattle Mariners. Oh, my. Wow. Okay. I... I was wondering when you brought, I knew that when you got us both on, it would be a baseball related episode. I I did think so as well. I was wondering if it was going to be like, the MLB, the show, like, were we going to, me too. And I was worried because like, I don't, I don't play do that either. I don't play. I'm going to dig deeper. Uh, I low key, I was kind of worried that I showed my cards a little too early because Kelsey put up something on Twitter a few weeks ago that was like, what's what you or what's the player that you think of when you think Seattle Mariners? And I was a few drinks in by this point, And I was like, Nintendo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't even like I I don't know. <laughs> I didn't even catch it. Okay, there we go. That makes me feel a little bit better about. But Ichiro, who is a Japanese player, is the player that I think of. That's who I would think of when I think of the Mariners. That's who. We'll We'll get there. there. Oh, we're still okay. I I wondered. I wondered if Ichiro would have like something to do with this. We've got like we've we're gonna touch on him like a butterfly on a flower. I would touch on him like uh, okay. I'll stop. Okay, (laughs) that's my job here, Wes. Back (laughs) off. The Seattle Mariners continued to flourish throughout the rest of the 90s, though though perhaps a flourish is a bit of a strong word. In 1992, they hired Lou Piniella, the rookie traded off during the pilot's years, Mm -hmm. to manage the team. He led them to their first postseason appearance in franchise history in 1995. There, they narrowly defeated the New York Yankees in a final in the final game of a five-game series thanks to a walk-off double by Edgar Martinez in the 11th inning. 
drama at its finest. I did. I did see, and it's it's a double, but like everyone's going insane in this oh, clip that I found. Oh, absolutely. They went on to the league championship series, but fell against the favored then Cleveland Indians, now the Cleveland Guardians. The team has never made a World Series appearance. Pitcher Randy Johnson completely destroyed a bird while throwing a fastball in a spring training game in March of 2001. You've never seen that video, Kelsey? And I don't think I want to. It's oh hilarious. It's insane. It's so cr- I've definitely seen. It. I remember my parents were like, you they were like, everyone said, wake up the kids. We got this amazing video. We have to show this incredible. <laughs> like, it's not amazing, but it's just wild. Kelsey, you hate birds. I I do. I hate birds. I would okay. love this video. But I am no, okay. I'm never right. for violence listen, towards listen. animals. It wasn't, it listen. was a mistake. It, All right. No, I just no, have to say how funny it is that you hate birds. I know. Bird. Birds are useless. Uh, I've never I mean, seen anybody gross. more. Terrified. And I'm a Cardinals fan. I know. I've okay. never seen anybody more terrified than a bird. Like, than okay, bird. let me just, I'm sorry, Dean, we have to derail for a second <laughs> because I, I don't want to come in close contact with a lion. Absolutely not. But I can respect them from a far off distance and wish that I could pet them. Sure. You hate birds. <laughs> I, I, it's more than I'm afraid of them. Okay. I think I and think a healthy res- birds more than others. Then this it's clip, me. which I will definitely show you after we're done recording, should come as a comfort. What kind of bird is it? It's it's, so, a, it's, it's literally a bird flying. It's in like the a dove or a pigeon or something. Okay, not a dove. It's not a dove. Don't worry. Not, how do you deal it's, with? Wait, it's not wait. anything for long. Oh my god! <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? I don't want to see an animal die. I, yeah, I, that's I what I'm thinking. To, I like, need to I show you this because no, Dean, I don't want to see any animals. I, I, I want you to think about how big a baseball is. It's not <laughs> right. really big, and I want you to think about how fast that baseball goes, and just the like the precise. Okay timing that had to happen yeah it's never happened again. all right wes, wes sh- wait no sh- everyone shut up wes you have very well described what happens when a baseball hits a bird yep. i can imagine it perfectly yep. i don't need to watch this fucking snuff film i agree no. <laughs> can i tell you can i a quick aside though can we go back to five minutes ago when i didn't know this happened <laughs> i i had to I had to bird sit from one of my friends. Oh God, I remember <laughs> two summers ago, and I was I was not okay with it. It was a tiny uh, conjure. It was a tiny green conjure, and I had to go let it out of its cage and take it for a fly. I don't know, no, but I just wait, had to, wait, like, wait, 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 he got on my finger and I transferred him to the table. I had to mama bird a cherry. Oh my God. So you had to chew a cherry and give I it to him? I just had to take the pit out. But then I ha- I, I gave this bird a cherry so that he could okay. flap its wings. And this bird, you know, we're fine. <clears throat> we're sitting. We're sitting there. I'm on the couch. He's on the table. We're fine. I'm fascinated. He jumps. He jumps on my leg. And okay. I'm like, okay, all right. This is a bird's on my leg. This is fine. This is fine. And then he gets up on my shoulder. And I was like, okay. Uh-huh. This is fine. This is cute. Maybe I'll selfie. So I take a selfie with the bird. Everything's great. Excuse me. And then I take another selfie 
with my eye closed and I say, Gur, I'm a pirate. And that was my Instagram post was Gur, I'm a pirate. Mm-hmm. The bird sensed that, did not oh, like it. No. Knew that I posted that on Instagram, did not <laughs> like it. Clamped down on my ear, clamped down on my neck. I had like two marks on my everywhere. Oh my and gosh. I'm like, this is my friend's bird. I can't swat it. So I No, so this back. is apparently what you're supposed to do with birds. Like I had a friend who had a parrot. You're supposed to show dominance over them by like not letting it hurt you. So you're supposed to shove their your finger in their mouth. Oh, I didn't and be like, no bird. No bird. It already bit me. I didn't want to do so I I, like I wouldn't have either. Like a normal human instinct would be like, fuck you and toss it on the ground. Like I It got on my finger and I put it back in the cage and the next day I tried to take it out and it was, he was not having it. And I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not. He was like, I'm dominant over you, motherfucker. I know I what like, I can do with you. I'm keeping you in your cage. Bitch. I feel like they smell my fear or something. <laughs> oh Birds smell. Anyway, I don't know. Sorry. Sorry. Birds. I think they stomach. can smell. And I, I like, from what I've understand, they're exotic animals and they're not to be treated like Domestic normal pets. animals. You know, like a dog will be very upset if you tell it it's done something wrong. Like birds just like, Birds are like, oh, oh, this is how I get under your skin. I will file this away for later. Same as if you ever owned a tiger, I've been told. All of that to say, not to say that I focused a whole lot of Randy Johnson on this. I'm sorry, were you trying to do a podcast? I am, yeah. (laughs) But I, the reason it, one... Wes can back me up. This clip is awesome. Not because of an not because an animal dies. Just no. I'm not watching it. If it is a bird dying, like like no, we don't. Well, one half uh, has. We're not watching it. Okay. All right. Fine. We're not. You can play the audio like on your own. Not a whole lot of audio. The the audio is not what you're looking for in this. I don't want to see it. I know. The the thing of the thing about it is it's not the first time it's happened, it's not the last time it'll happen. But Randy Johnson now works as a photographer for the NFL. And because he captured this picture. Well, no, he didn't. He was he was the pitcher. He, yeah. He was busy what? He's the one who killed the bird. Yeah. Okay. But his How did logo, he parlay this into a far oh no. His Wait, logo his logo for his photography studio. Oh, oh no. Is a bird with like an X over the the eyes. Uh, that is in poor taste. And he has yeah. he has also gone on record to say that he gets more questions about the bird than he does about his professional pitching career. I believe it. So there's I, I wonder if Sully Sullivan gets tired of being asked about the Hudson. No, I think that that you're a hero at that point. You well, that yeah, but he got a whole bunch of birds in his engines. <laughs> Moving on with the story. I got like two paragraphs. We can avoid left. birds for the rest two, of this episode. Left. That would be great. <laughs> so far, Kelsey. I don't I don't I don't talk I'm about sorry. birds at else again for the rest of this. Okay, great. During this time, Nintendo took a full advantage of their partial ownership. Super Mario mascots made appearances at Safeco Field. Oh yeah. Okay, I have Good seen that. Job. Good job, Nintendo. Like Nintendo. right now I'm all for Japan just fucking running all over. I just I don't know. Wait till you get to the last sentence of this paragraph. God. Nintendo licensed Ken Griffey Jr. for a line of exclusive baseball video games. 
The one that I always remember was Ken Griffey Jr. presents Major League Baseball for the Super Nintendo. Um, That's why he's so involved in the Nintendo. Oh, yeah. that makes so much sense now. Okay. My, my favorite part of that game is if you were able to strike out a batter, uh, he would take his bat, break it over his knee, look at the player and yell, Gosh, that's wild. Uh, Nintendo licensed Ken Griffey Jr. for a line of exclusive baseball video games. Nintendo released the Nintendo Fan Network, which allowed you to view stats, video replays, and even order concessions using your Nintendo (laughs) DS. What? What year was that? Uh, That was probably in the mid-2000s. The service has since been discontinued. Well, yeah, but, but still, that's like pre-smartphone. Like, yeah, what? that's a big deal. That's wild. Yeah. It can be argued that the deal allowed an influx of Japanese players into the sport, including the Mariners' own Ichiro Suzuki. So I knew you would have a. You would Did have a he come into baseball? He didn't come into baseball as a Mariner, though, right? I, I, he was. I, I didn't he was do a, enough research into I'm that. I'm pretty sure he was a Marlin first. Ichiro. However, but like the, if you've got like. And any, like, as we all know, like being creative people, any kind of in at all to yeah, like put you that. in front of anybody. Admittedly, yeah. I didn't do a, I didn't do a whole lot of research into Ichiro Suzuki. Granted, because of what? All, oh, no, he did come talked- over to the MLB with the Mariners. Okay. And then he, okay, this is where, yeah, this is where it gets where he, he came into the Major League Baseball system from the Japanese League. With the Mariners, then he was on the Yankees, then he was on the Marlins, and then he came back to the Mariners. So okay, all right. He was on the Mariners both before and after. That makes me feel a little bit better about my research. Is he like a pretty good baseball player? Yeah, I I mean, handle this incredible. Yeah, he's an icon, and more so in. I mean, I'm sure that he is huge in Japan, but I would say he's just as big of an icon. I mean, in American baseball. Because so. I can't imagine like how good you would have to be to break into like a to start doing like baseball in Japan like as a kid because you would have to start doing it as a kid to like definitely yeah. be yeah. A, yeah. of an Base- age yeah like baseball I know it's not the most physically taxing like thing you could do but like yeah so to start doing it then and just be like you would have to be amazing yes and then to like the Japanese league is the next like biggest baseball league in the world um, in terms of like the level of players that you're going to see and also the amount of money that they can make. So there's actually a lot of like American players that will go play in the Japanese league if they can't find success in the major leagues because they can at least make more money there than they can in the minor leagues. But yeah, I mean, Suzuki is one of the iconic players of all time. Yeah. So he's a very big deal. To think that he may might not have been who he is had all of this not happened. Cause yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense on some level. Hiroshi Yamauchi, again, the, the head of Nintendo of, of Japan retired from Nintendo in 2002, turning over his ownership shares to Nintendo of America in the process. Today, Nintendo's total ownership stake has been reduced to about 10%, mostly due to new investors joining the baseball club of Seattle. While initially worth $125 million in 1999, which is roughly $271 million today, they are now a $1.7 billion franchise. Yamauchi passed away 
due to complications of pneumonia or with pneumonia in 2013 at the age of 85, having never attended a Seattle's Mariners game. <laughs> I don't care what race you are, but if you're going to own a baseball team, you should probably. I mean, he never played a fucking Nintendo game in his life. So <laughs> you think know, he was going to go su- see a baseball game? Guy was successful. So I can't, I can't argue. Never be accused of being too close to any maybe of his business investments, doing, I guess. Maybe I should stop doing music and I'll be successful in music. Maybe. You think that works? Yeah. I mean, it's 2023. Like anything's possible at this point. <laughs> So that is the story of the time that the Nintendo owned the Seattle Mariners. I am so like, I'm blown away by that. Wait, Do they not still own the Seattle? They do. Not as much. I was going to say, I feel like Nintendo still owns the Seattle Mariners. I am blown away. Like I. So wait, do the Jew Japanese baseball imports still come into the U S of a via Seattle? there's definite I'm I'm not sure it's specifically via Seattle, but there's definitely still, as we've talked about with the Japanese baseball scene, there's still definitely a vibrant scene there and there's a communication of talent. So the which, MLB definitely keeps track of like what's going on in the Japanese league because there are yeah. definitely players that come over here a lot. A lot. Wow. Okay. And you could probably trace that all back to this. Like, it's, imagine what again, talent there might be in other countries. If Right. Yeah. And I remember going to the, was it the, tw- no, it was the 1996 Olympics, guys. I'm old. Oh, in Atlanta? Yeah. yeah. When it, I was there when it bombed. Oh, my and... God. I was in Nashville when it bombed. And I was, like, scared because I was close to Atlanta, even though I was nowhere near Atlanta. Right? No, yes. Yeah. So like, we were it's there. It's like a six-hour and... drive. I was not yet in college, but I was going to go to LSU. And so like, we were really excited to see the LSU baseball team. Mm, It wasn't the, it wasn't the LSU baseball team, but it was a lot of players that were going to be in the LSU baseball team or whatever. And they were playing for the U S team and we saw them against Australia. They kicked Australia's ass so badly that they stopped it after like a couple innings. And I was like, Damn. But then I was like, like now I'm like, Australia doesn't have that many people to play against. Like you, and you don't get better, like playing in a vacuum. Like I remember competing in Savat, which is this weird kickboxing art that is French and not a lot of people in America do it. And it's really cool. And it's really vicious, but because America is so big, the pockets of us that do it can't afford to compete against each other. So we end up going over to internationals and getting our asses handed to us because yeah. you, you're not competing against it. We're not yeah. competing against a variety of people. Well, um, I mean, Kelsey kind of talked about this in her podcast that she just did last week where like, what what team was it that most people were? Yeah, the also, Czech Republic. Yeah, the mm-hmm. Czech Republic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was a lot of players on a lot of the teams that would not necessarily be considered like professional baseball players. And they're playing against these guys who make $30 million a year. And it's like, like if you could just open up, like a lot of the Europe Savat teams were good because they could bounce around and compete yeah. with each other throughout the year. And the US was like, well, I guess we'll just fight with the same five people. Like, <laughs> or uh, let's go to California and splurge or yeah. go to Maine or whatever. And so I, I, wow, I could see like how, I'm like, wow, wouldn't you, wouldn't it be cool if baseball could like grow? I think that's what the World Baseball Classic is trying to do. And I think this, yeah. 
do you think i don't i don't know like i i believe that this is the first year that like this might just be me but like this is the first year that i was super super excited for it personally yeah same but that's just go ahead dean for for what it's worth obviously i'm not a big sports nut i'm the guy that makes fun of people that are like yeah this player had like this many like rbis uh on a tuesday after he had mexican food the last night that's Um, Wes. i don't know where he is on your screen but i'm pointing to him (laughs) uh but like i i also have to take a step back and take a look at we have another episode of our podcast where we examine what's called uh moment 37 which is oh god competitive fighting game moment where this guy had like one pixel of health left in street fighter three and he like carried a super move that required him to hit a specific button combination within one tenth of a second 14 it was like william tell with the apple it's it's like it's it's this stupid like superhuman effort that kind of like reinvigorated competitive fighting games for like the next decade so all of that to say is like sometimes i shit on professional sports when i shouldn't and i'm trying to get better about that kind of thing but all of that to say is that like i think this is this is a story about i think this is a story about a sport growing faster than it's shareholders and owners thinking that it should yeah and and that's an important story to tell especially isn't that always the way though when certain people are in power and things and growth starts happening yes um i think i I think the important thing being in firmly in the middle age right now like it's it's kind of one of those things where you're starting to realize like like I am right in between millennial and Gen X and a lot of Gen Xers are like, we're about to get judged really hard. Like, and what are we going to get judged for? Cause we remember doing all the judging. And the thing is, is to be able to like sit with it and like, not, uh, this is a, like a really hard thing to articulate. So I, I was in a writer's group last night and a dude did a piece and he was like, he was an older dude and he's writing in the style of Kurt Vonnegut. And he had some, really wide blues he had some blue stuff in there that i won't get into and we all know vonnegut wrote some stuff and everyone was like hey really love your style you obviously have a way with words there was a flow to it a couple people were like i was a little squeamish during this part and um obviously can't until you we, we we have a limit it's like un- until we see the rest of that vignette, we don't know if it's worth it. And he's like, "Yeah, you know, thank you for writing." Like, I don't know if I'm- I wrote this in '95, and I thought about change. People were less offended then, but I'm not going to change it. And so it became my turn to speak, and I was like, Vonnegut was one of my favorite first writers, and I like get that he wrote this in this time, and like blah blah blah, and. I said, the only thing I would say, is, I get that you don't want to change your words, but your audience has changed. Yeah. So yeah. I would maybe recognize what you want to say and see where it's going to hit. Like, if you want to radically offend people with this piece, maybe you do. Maybe that's like going to give us something later on. But if that's not what you want to do, then I would rethink some of the language 
and yeah like think about jackie robinson like we celebrate him today Mm -hmm. even when he was breaking the color barrier like there were so many people that were against it Mm -hmm. and you know we we don't talk about that as much today and like we probably should because it's still going on you know like we still have you know awful things happening to people and you know i can't remember who said this but somebody said like we think we're so progressive today we think we're doing such a good job and we think that we're really fighting for equality and blah 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 but the next generation is gonna look at us so hard yeah and you know what that's good like you would hope that where we are today is the baseline I think there is a big, there's also like a big line and between owners and then executives, because even the executives who work for the owners are just now starting to, the first woman baseball executive, I should say the first baseball executive, the first female general manager or president of a team uh, just happened in 2021. So I remember that. Yeah. And I don't Um, even follow baseball. Right. It's, I mean, it's huge. And, but the fact like I, that it, it shocked the fact me. That it's it 2021. She's, yeah. She's insanely overqualified. <laughs> so, and when I like learned more about her, I just, the thing that I kept thinking and that I said to my husband was like, I don't think I could ever, I could be in her shoes and I could have gotten to where she is because I couldn't have sat there for 20 years knowing that I got overlooked just because I was a woman. Like, I don't know how, and obviously it's important and we need people that can do that and can deal with it. But that is just like, that's a message for like all things though. Let's like give it up. Absolutely. Yeah. Of like all things. And it it made me think like if I had ever seen a, a woman in a baseball, in a, it, you know, customer facing, I guess, baseball executive role, that's probably something that I would have really pursued, but I didn't. And it was the first time that I, as like a white person of privilege in this country, had that moment where I was like, this is why the representation conversation is so important. And it's always important. Like, it's never going to not be important (laughs) because it, it was the first time for me personally, as someone who does see a lot of people who look like me doing all things in our country, it was the first time that I really realized like, man, as a kid, I never saw a woman doing this specifically. And it is something that I probably would have been very directly connected to and more passionate about. And now I'm sitting here even now thinking like, well, one person did it in my lifetime. So good thing I didn't try because I wouldn't have been able to do it. Like, I don't know. Yeah, that that sucks because you might have been amazing. Like I remember when I was a small, small child being like, asking my parents like i was like in the single digits has there ever been a woman president and they were like no and i was like can there be and they're like yeah there's no law against a woman president and i'm like could i be a woman president they're like yeah you could be the first and i remember thinking in my head no that sounds like too much work like as a kid like thinking like that just sounds too hard yeah like already like if there's it so it's a true thing if there is no one before you to plow the way it sounds too hard and the barriers that it takes right it's not it's not just that no one has ever thought about doing it right which is what it seems like as a kid like oh no one has ever thought about doing it so why would i think about doing it Mm -hmm. that's what it seems like when you're very young 
it's there are literal barriers like this like we have to create a whole fake league so that you can give us your money <laughs> and then also like this guy is actually gonna be the titular real dude like mm -hmm. i mean this is why it is upsetting that banks are getting bailouts and not students but it's also so i was just gonna yeah. speak on like executives versus owners so Again, but ex the biggest difference is like executives are still people being hired by the people who have the money to own the teams, the people, the owners. And that's why I said right before we got into this, that I was surprised to learn that there was any majority shareholder who was not a white man. And we learned that there is not, and there still has not been. And that is because of inherited wealth. And so like, we're not at a point in our country's history, we history where anyone other than white men have that level of wealth and it's only getting more extreme because the value and the cost of owning a team and to be even remotely competitive we want to go in that direction because the the payroll disparity and like the the disparity in wealth between owners is now a whole new topic of conversation as of mm -hmm. just the past couple of years that no one other than they're like kind of raising that bar in the sense that still, even though we're getting to a point where there would be women and people of color who would be able to enter that conversation, they're going to raise the bar again because there's still white men who now have that next level of yep. inherited wealth that will continue to be on a, a different level. So they, no matter where they came, they come from, I think the sporter is richer for having very differing parts of the world brought into it. Undoubtedly, yes. I 100% agree. I mean, aren't we all usually? Yeah. And I think that's what's that is why the World Baseball Classic was so exciting this year rather than other years because of the fact that now on almost every, I shouldn't say almost every team, but at least half of the teams, there was Major League Baseball players playing for them. Yeah. And that gets people who are more streamlined baseball fans into it. And that's what was so exciting for me. Like you were saying, Wes, that I have never watched so many games of being like, I don't even, on some level, I want both teams to win. Like, yeah, I've never right. felt so pulled and excited for individual players, too. Like, it was a totally different experience. And, you know, seeing the the ratings of not just the U.S., of people who were tuned into the games, but all over the country. And we're always, <laughs> I don't want to say we're always going to be a way off, but it we're going to be a ways off for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and I think to Mary to this point, like uh, the next generation will look back at us and be like, Ooh. oh, you thought you were really on to something. But <laughs> I mean, nothing can really like we've gotten so global with our Internet and our capacity yeah. for information spreading that nothing can exist this like this shut off. Like it's not going to last as an yeah. institution if they don't open up yeah. like it'll last for a while. But it's it's gonna start getting now, it's gonna start getting some some resistance. And that yeah, and, and that was one thing that I made a note of myself. Like we talked about how Senator Symington made this threat back in the 1960s about how like he was like, well, uh, you guys effectively have a monopoly over professional baseball. We we can challenge that if the Kansas City Royals don't start playing really soon. And then Senator Gorton did the same thing 30 years later. Maybe there's a problem if United Strong States senators somebody. can just dip in and be like, I don't like the way things are going. But 
I think that might be a yeah. A everyone question. always tells actors to keep their politics out of acting. Like senators, keep your fingers. Keep your politics out of baseball. Yeah, yeah. and 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 how put about that on a t-shirt? <laughs> keep your yeah. politics out of Ooh, baseball. Kelsey, can keep that be your... the peace, love, and baseball like merch? Keep <laughs> yeah, it'll be on the back. Keep right. your yeah, keep your sticky oh. political fingers out of all of our fun kelsey may meredith and i'll be the next guests on the next episode of of peace love and baseball that we need it well so i'm the next guest because on thursday a week from today we're going on assignment i was telling them about that uh she i was telling them about that while we were waiting that episode back um (laughs) we can we can be the guests after don't be pushy white male hey Anyway, I I do want to say in regards to this conversation that what is happening now and it's happening not just in professional sports, but in many industries is that things are changes are being made for show. And there is like Mm. a lot, especially in sports of whether it's coaches being hired or executives being hired. And you can say there is a, a legitimate argument to be made of like that person did get that job or got sought out for that role because of the ethnicity that they represent or because of their gender or whatever. And so those moves are being made now strategically and somewhat for show, but that is what has to happen for those people to get in. On that note, (laughs) let's go ahead and wrap things up. Shut your traps. (laughs) Before I go on, I do want to uh, throw a shout out to the sources of this episode's intellectual gatherings. Uh, a vast majority of the information in this episode comes from a short documentary made by Norman Caruso, who is also known as the Gaming Historian. His documentary is titled Foreign Owned Nintendo and the Seattle Mariners. Major League Baseball unfortunately has ordered the removal of his video off of YouTube, so I will leave a link. Well, his documentary used a lot of direct footage from major league baseball which they get really caught up oh yeah which i'm sure if it was complimentary about major league baseball they would have said absolutely (laughs) nothing about it honestly probably not that being said so everyone go watch it as fast as you can go watch it it now it is up it it is up on youtube but i don't want to give some random youtube upload dump sure. uh, the credit that it deserves so what i will do is i will leave a link to norman caruso's patreon account in the episode description uh i did also get a fair amount of information on the wikipedia pages for the seattle mariners slide gordon faye vincent and hiroshi yamauchi just trying to give credit where credit's due so all of that being said we'll try and wrap up a little bit We'll let Kelsey go first. Kelsey, uh, what all would you like to plug before we wrap the episode up? Ooh, well, if anyone wants to hire me to play Mama Rose and Gypsy, I am available roughly 10 to 20 years from now. Um, Until then... As the sober person on this podcast, I mean, that's a little weird. Until then, I will be living my best life on my podcast, Peace, Love, and Baseball, which is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and I am also a co-host on another baseball podcast called Babes Babes. And I'm over there like trying to hold down the rest of baseball with a couple of Yankees fans co-host. So come join me over there. Um, we're also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and we have a YouTube channel too. 
And yeah, at Kbird Tweets on the Twitter and the Instagram. I just like to engage with like-minded, unfriendly people. That's what I'm here for. Thank you. Wes, uh, what would you, is there anything that you'd like to plug that doesn't rhyme with? Would you like me to do your ad for you, Wes? Shramidity. Yeah, you can listen to Validity on Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere you get music. It's like uh, if if Mika, Jukebox the Ghost, and Fun all collided into one super piano rock falsetto thing, then you got to listen to this music. I got a new song coming out very soon, too, so follow Are there strings in it? There are... How did did you... did I no, tip I'm, something off? No, I'm just a sucker for strings. I, so. I, didn't, I literally didn't tell Eddie Meredith anything about you before, other than I've like met you Meredith in real life before. <laughs> but I, I, I didn't. I, I didn't know about there. Tell me more about these strings. So literally, I I lived in New York for a month last year, last summer, and I went to this studio that I had no business being in because like Celine Dion had recorded there, Mariah Carey had performed, <laughs> recorded there. Like I just walked in and there's all these like posters of these icons, and I'm like, I'm Wes McKinney, I'm here from the sticks. <laughs> and I, anyway, I, but I, I, I think the term is Wesley McKinney. Wesley McKinney, Thank and you. I and I I sat down at a piano that Ray Charles has played, <gasps> and like, literally the 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 song that you're gonna hear coming out soon, Ray Charles, the piano that I'm playing, Ray Charles has also played. Dean, anyway, maybe you can play it over this. It's not uh, gonna come out. I'm, I'm 100% oh. definitely playing the song from Ken Griffey Jr. presents Major League Baseball. Yes. Please, <laughs> oh, okay. Please. Never mind. Because but I've listened are... to that and that song fucking rips. <laughs> there are there are strings in this song, and my God, they sound like they're live recorded strings. It sounds gorgeous. It's beautiful. Stream Validity, the album Indivisible, and follow me at WesMCK88 on Instagram or Twitter. I love everybody. I love y'all. So, Dean, like, we've been friends for, for years. We were, all three of us were in a production of Smokey Joe's Cafe. Oh, fuck. 2000. Yes! 2000. What year was that? Thousand, oh, fuck, I don't know. That show is timeless. 2004, I think. Was it 2003 oh or 2004? I'm not sure. It was either 2003 know. or 2004. I loved being in that show. Oh, God. That was I think it was 2000. Because, like, okay, here's the thing. You were supposed to be 14 years old to be in it, and I was 13. not yet 14. But they let me be in it because I was just that far ahead for my age you were like 13 but really mature yeah i was just like as talented as the 14 year olds but we all had like so like we the way i was like 14 i think i was 14 and you had to be 15 sorry i just no it's true whatever Shout out to Deb Rude because oh, she always, gave us all day. She gave us solos and like we all each had our own song and like we she was, saw our greatness. I got to scream like yeah. a girl scream in that show and I yeah. love that. That was you yeah. Were, we all got were, to do. You were the scream queen. A female <laughs> identifying scream. <laughs> we all got to do really fun things that were fun for us but all, like really i that we it really was, identified it, with and she, that was because she saw that in us she it was, unlocked it was, my like ability to perform honestly it was probably the greatest show that all of us have been a part of and no one i feel like you guys of. need to write a story about this show it is the reason that like You're it is why incorrect. i decided to pursue professional performance not that that's uh, taking me too far but hey, it is you've why been, i you've been in a professional production which is more than a lot of people can say yeah i think 
feel what like this, I think what this means is that we need to get Deb Rude into an episode of Opening Stage BGH. I think you should. Yes, I would. So we need to figure out what kind of video games Deb Rude is. Into. She would. I think she would love that. Honestly, yes. Like, She's a nerd. So, no offense. I think you've rude. also you. proved that you don't need to know anything about video games to be on this podcast. Yes, totally. We've, that story. You have so made this the beautiful. video game podcast for everyone. That's what I was going for. So, uh, well, and one of the things that I love about this, which is also like ultimately the only thing that I'm really trying to do on my podcast, is that there's like so many reasons for all of us to have great conversation and to be interested in each other. And I think that's something that we're losing with technology and and the algorithms. Just- yeah just everything it's like separating us in a lot of ways it's like let's loop us all in with people who are very close to our demographic instead of branching out only things that we like only things exactly and who are only gonna have your shared opinions like you can find hundreds of millions of people who share your exact shared opinion and can fill up your confirmation bias cup every day if that's what you want but and i think that's a huge problem i actually wrote a blog post not about this malore was the tie-in to the blog post but (laughs) i I know right it will come out tomorrow i'll get you guys this email address but um anyway we're gonna be talking about shared suffering (laughs) it is about shared suffering bringing joy but like the point is is i had a birthday party last week and i had i have literally this year been actively trying to meet people because we've been so shut off and I am not a person who normally actively tries to meet people, but I was like, as an introvert who suddenly was working from home and, and thought that I had my dream, I suddenly started realizing how crazy I was becoming, like yeah. not having interaction with people, like the people that I did have interaction with, I was like obsessing over everything. And I was like, okay, we need to like get out there and like meet some people. Yeah, <laughs> so, so i did and literally it was this melting pot of people i was like i don't know how this is gonna go because like i literally like individually have coffee with these people at different times i've met them at different things or i like no one knew each other very few people knew each other but it was one of the best parties i have ever had and so many people did a shot of my lord <laughs> you are spreading which, the good word to the which, south here's what happened um this is the way that meredith tells it um there I, again there's a liquor store in town called frugal mcdougal oh uh, i think i tell have, it better than you they have a, a their mascot is a scotsman with a load of money in his hand yeah uh, and i went there and you know i'd lived in chicago for about nine and a half years i go in there and they've got a bottle of malort so i'm like and dean was like hey holy shit familiar pain yeah <laughs> so i got it it's like 17.99 in addition to what he was priced. uh so i bring it up to the i cashier. don't know if it's appropriate anyway go ahead so i bring it up to the cashier and like he notices that i'm buying the malort and it's this like older black dude with dreadlocks and he goes hey jerry <laughs> yeah somebody's buying it <laughs> uh i was like oh shit no so I immediately went to damage control. I was like, listen, I used to live in Chicago. And he's like, don't say anything. <laughs> don't explain yourself. Yeah. Like, so. it's worse if you know. Anyway, let's go ahead and wrap things up. Kelsey, Wes, thank you so much. Hey, don't I get to plug shit? 
Meredith, what would you like to plug? I have a book coming out, motherfucker. I've, I'm gonna, I have it. put I'm it, it in the show notes before. I'm oh, the people are oh. listening. Yeah. So that means they're not going to read the show notes. I don't get. To they're going to hear this anymore. I'm going to show Meredith, okay. Kelsey and Wes my cover, which has not been released yet. <gasps> oh, can Ooh. I buy it? When can I buy it from you? Yeah, can, can we, we can pre-order? Buy it. You can pre-order it, it right now. You can pre-order it from Parnassus, and I will personalize it for you. They have like you can you have to like, go to the notes and like put your name and like then I will sign it and personalize it for you. If you can't come to the release, which is in September in Nashville, and Nashville. you're totally welcome to to road trip down. Road trip, Kelsey. Let's do it. I um, wish Nashville and Memphis were closer together because Wes and I are totally gonna sing the national anthem in Memphis this year. For the Memphis in September, I will, I will be there. Maybe not sure when. We haven't we, have, we haven't gotten picked yet, but we we're entered gonna. the competition <laughs> and we're waiting to hear back from them. Well, if you can't get it, you can totally sing it at my release party. How sweet! If you, yes! if you do get it, I I will be there because I have my own car, which is another story that we can talk about for another time. Dan and I still don't have our own cars, so it's fine. All right, that makes me feel <laughs> a little better. It's great. We love it. It's made our lives a lot better. But that yes, mean, yes, you can order Ghost Tamer. Online. And you can follow me on all the socials at Meredith R. Lyons. And so, if I know um, you personally, I'll follow you back. There you go. So all of that to say, this has been a extremely riveting and side-winding episode of Opening Stage VGH. The video I think it's been history, great. The Video Game History this. Podcast for everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.